may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and... Welcome to another episode of The View from the Ninian, where we've got a week between games, and that's quite a long time when the games have been coming thick and fast, like Ross McCormack. Joining me as always to discuss the Huddersfield game on Friday night and all the other stuff that's going on at Cardiff City at the moment is Ben Price. Ben, you were using a new microphone, but it didn't work, did it? No, I'm gutted. I was like, genuinely being really excited to use that today. I like, can't wait, but no, it's gone tits up. And Tom Phillips. Tom, you're not buying that microphone that Ben bought now because you've been put off by what just happened, haven't you? Yeah, I'm going to stick with my dodgy headphones that came free with something. So I think it's from an aeroplane. So yeah, I'll stick with these <laughs> high-tech high tech equipment here. Uh, it's a shame about your microphone, Ben, but you still sound crystal clear with your old microphone, so it's not all is not lost. Um, we'll start with the usual. Friday night, we drew nil-nil with Huddersfield. It wasn't the most invigorating of games, but we didn't lose. So that's the main thing. Um, ben, coming to you first, it was a bit of an off night, should we say. There was, nothing really got going across the pitch. We were defensively relatively solid, apart from one Curtis Nelson tackle. But it felt like the kind of game that we would have lost under Harris. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's actually what, exactly what I said to the missus. Um, it was a tough slog to watch, though, wasn't it? It wasn't a pretty game of football. It no, really no. felt like two teams that are absolutely shattered and ready for a week <laughs> off. Two teams going through the motions, wasn't it? <laughs> it really was. It was like they knew what they needed to do to go out and play football, but they couldn't quite get there. It felt very end of season. You know, where two mid-table teams are playing mm. against each other, they've got nothing to play for. Whereas this is the exact opposite. One team's pushing for the playoffs and the other one's fighting relegation. It was a bit of a strange one. Um, but yeah, it definitely would have been the sort of game we'd lost under Harris, I think. Just we wouldn't have had that organisation. We'd have gotten a bit of a fluster. Um, we, a couple of times, the sort of, Huddersfield players got in behind, sort of had a couple of half decent chances that we wouldn't have been able to deal with eight, week, eight weeks ago. But now you never really felt like they were going to score. No. And, you know, even even when I got a penalty, they, they missed that as well, which we'll come to later. Um, Tom, do you think, obviously, NG wasn't playing. Um, Thomas Sang came in, and not criticism on Sang. I thought Sang was very good, but NG being missing, he kind of leads that high press, doesn't he? I mean, we saw it at Derby, he was doing it until the 90th minute, which led to Volks' goal. Do you think that had an impact? And does that show how integral Buster has become in, 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 the, in the month and a bit he's been with us? I think it have like a slight impact, but I think overall, I think the whole team looked slightly leggy. Um, I think we were happy with the point as well. You can see that with the late substitutions. Mm. I think it got to a point saying, look, this this isn't our night. This really not falling for us. And you can see in those late, late um, replacements that we were more than happy to take a point away from home. And to be honest with you, it's not a bad point to take because you keep the unbeaten run going. We've got a rest now for a week. You know, there's worse results to get than a nil-nil away from home at Huddersfield. Like it's in, we're used to getting nil-nils at Huddersfield, like and dross games up there as well, like we saw in the Prem as well. But I t- I'll take it to be honest. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, we'll talk about Tom Sang. Um, Jimmy King's kicks on Twitter said thought Tom Sang slotted in well at wing back, not as effective NG, but for someone to experience, he didn't look out place at all. Um, Matteo James has asked what we thought about Tom Sang. Um, ben. He looked good, didn't he? Looked really impressive. You sort of can think that's his first championship performance. He was originally a central midfielder, but Cardiff seemed to be convinced he's the sort of 
back at right back now. So um, a bit of a habit, yeah, that, isn't it? Putting midfielders yeah. at right back. <laughs> but he looks a lot more comfortable than Bakuna ever did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really, I was really impressed with him. Look, he's not got the, he didn't have the energy and sort of the just everywhereness of sort of NG. But for a debut for a young lad in the championship, he can hold his head up high. He did really well. He wasn't frightened but, to get forward, was he? Like, no, it wasn't like he was. It just wasn't quite as intense as Perry. But I think that might come later on. To be honest, I don't think it's no. not like he's not as good. It's, it's Sang's first game in that system. NG yeah. has a particular way of playing within that system. And as, as Mick McCarthy has said before, the players and the regulars who are playing at the moment aren't really training at the moment. So there's no time to work on that. So for him to come in, look solid, like you say, get forward and have an impact on the game is is really impressive. Um, Tom, I've got a question about Neil Harris. Um, he loaned uh, Sang out at the start of the season, brought him back in January and talked about giving him game time. But if we were so reliant on Bakuna at right back in place of 2-2, it kind of begs the question, really, what was Harris doing with Sang? Because surely Sang would have been the better option there, or did he just not see it that way? It's it's a confusing one. I don't think it's that confusing. I don't think he sent them out to get game time. I think, and I think it's benefiting us All now. Right. I think, I think he was thinking a bit more long term. I think Harris did a lot of good things. To be fair, he, he got people out on loan that needed to, the likes of Brown, the likes of Sang, and his recruitment was pretty on point. It's just his tactics lacked every now and again. And I think the ghost of Neil Harris being in the studio had an effect on the game, to be honest, as well. <laughs> I think people could sense him lingering around. And I think the players didn't want to overachieve in front of him, as if <laughs> they'd hurt his feelings. It's like, you, you don't want to go and batter Huddersfield 4-0 and really upset him in front of his new Sky mate. So, yeah, I'm going to blame Neil Harris for that result as well. Well, good. I'm, <laughs> you must be gutted. He's left the club. They can't blame me for anything else. And here you are. Um, blaming him for, I don't know, nothing, something that he had nothing to do with. Um, obviously, there's Ben, there's, there's a lot of injuries around the squad at the moment, and we'll, we'll come to the left back uh, situation. But, you know, we don't really know what's going on with NG. But it, it's nice to know that we now have a player there who can slot in, and we, we don't worry about it. You know, with Bakuna going at right back, there was always that trepidation. But Sang looks solid. Yeah, um, it's nice not to have that fear of dread when you see the team sheet and Bakuna's at right back. Um, I think McCarthy couldn't actually remember what kind of injury Sang had, like what kind of knock it was. So I think that gives you an idea of just how severe it was. I think it was just a case of the Friday game was a bit too soon. Probably if it was a Saturday game, he'd have probably made it. Um, I, yeah, potentially. But also, I think it's, it's the optimum time for a little bit of a break, isn't it? If you're someone yeah. like NG who plays that high-intensity game, you can you can be rested on a Friday game and not play again until the following Saturday. You've got 10, to two weeks, 10 days to two weeks off then to really recover. So I think it, it was probably sensible um, team management from McCarthy, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it worked. It's not exactly like it was a disaster of a sort of thing. It came back to bites in the ass. Realistically, I'd, as good as he's been in that kind of game, would NG have made a huge difference, sort of made us win the game? I don't really know. It was one of those games, I think it was destined to be nil-nil from the first minute. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, uh, apart from the, the penalty. Um, Tom, we, we, we talked about Bakuna there uh, and, and, you know, dreading him being on the team sheet, but it was it was almost a bit surprising that he was dropped this week. Um, you know, we've got people, you know, we had a strong bench all of a sudden. You got Bakuna, you had people like Johnny Williams on the bench. Ben mentioned it earlier. We seemed to be quite happy to take the point. But do you think there could have been a different approach from McCarthy late on in the game? A bit more energy coming off the bench, like a Williams, to get in between the defence and the midfield, break those lines and, and try and open something up? I think the only thing that was open was us at that point. We looked a bit nervy in that last quarter of an hour. And I think it would have been the wrong thing to bring Williams on in that situation. I think maybe starting with Bakuna might have worked because. 
you could see how a high press wasn't as effective as it was in other games. There's a couple of games just really landed, like Derby and Bournemouth, but mm-hmm. it just it didn't really work. Like we weren't the unit didn't seem to be moving quite as fluidly as it was in the other games. Like you could see a couple of times when Maud pushed up, and then you could see the frustration because the ball's been slotted around into mm-hmm. someone else because the other player wasn't coming with him. But yeah, I, I possibly would have liked to see Bakuna come into it a bit, like from the start. But I don't think it was the right game for Williams to come on as much as I would love to have seen him playing. Do you think, uh, Ben, that we're, we're wasting Williams at the moment? He doesn't seem to be getting much game time. He's what he's made, what, 13 minutes so far? No, I don't think it's a waste thing. He sort of he was unlucky to come in at a time and then sort of pick up a really sort of annoying knock that we'd probably seen him a bit more. It's then mm. he's fit, he's come on, decent 13 minutes when he came on. Like Tom said, it wasn't the right game for for Johnny Williams. It was there, there's plenty more football to go. We still got probably around quarter of the season to go. I think we'll see plenty of him over the next few weeks, and probably now Mick signed a new contract. We'll see him for the next two years. Um, to be honest, Johnny Williams wasn't the player I think we were missing, or sort of. I didn't even think Bakuna was. I think it was the influence of Marlon Pack. I felt mm. like Volks and um, they looked Volks a bit ragged, didn't they? A bit too similar. Just no one was sort of doing that role of sort of at the back or sort of starting stuff off as well, of sort of just that little holding role that Pax really sort of found himself in and sort of flourishing in at the moment. It was um surprise to see him come on so late, but I guess, like we said, look, the lads have played so much football, it's no wonder they're knackered. Probably the right thing to do to give them a rest long term. I think I'm that's the thing, isn't it? it? Like, that, that's our off game and it's still a point away from home. Yeah. And I think... I think I'm taking that as a, such a cliche thing, but like if you're getting points when you're playing badly or having an off night, then I think we're in for a, a good run into the end of the season. I think so, for sure. Uh, Jimmy King's kiss asked about Johnny Williams as well. Said Johnny Williams should have come on. Everything felt single pace with 20, 25 minutes to go. Felt like we would have added some urgency, run up the fence, open some space. The other thing that came up quite a lot in the Twitter questions was the situation at left back. We've gone from an injury crisis at right back to an injury crisis at left back. Um, Nathan LCCFC, what would we do? What do we do at left wing back against Watford? Worth putting Hoylet there or go with Brown, assuming Baggin can't play. Um, Milo Davis has said, gutted for Baggin firstly, but also think the injury could cost us, especially if NG is out for a number of games at least are so narrow brown looked decent and sang was impressive but they're getting nowhere near the levels of the perry and the two joes in terms of getting forward um it's been confirmed ben that baggin dislocated his shoulder you estimated that sort of a six week out um it was a shame to see wasn't it because he looks like the future at left back yeah um looked solid for all for the time he's playing did well getting forward didn't look bothered at all with sort of the huddersfield players sort of in and around him i'm gutted for him um if I, I know far too well, I've done five, I've just hit my shoulder five times. Show off. I know I know far too well just how much that sucks. So, yeah. Do you get a badge? Do you get a badge when you do five? You know, donate I, ten I, times, you get a special badge. I want, I want one of those little cards, keeps in your wallet. Yeah. Five that as you get That as you get out, your shoulder pops out. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be such a miss. Um, Kieran Brown as well, though. Look, he's not a left back. He's certainly not a left wing back. He's uh, too big for that. But um, he did all right. Again, like like McCarthy said, you can't fault either of the two lads that made the debuts. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't think he's the option long term. We so we've said about Hoylet before, uh, uh, wing back. Um, we said it last week when we were on about Hoylet Baggin. I feel like we sort of jinxed it a little bit by saying, should anything happen to Baggin, we've got Hoylet there. Mm. Your fault. Yep. Um, 
Tom, you know, we've got 2-2 due back soon. I mean, if if NG isn't out for that long, then perhaps things are less worrying. But would you put 2-2 at left back? Or would, you know, everyone seems to think that Hoylet can play at left back. Um, he's good defensively, but is he an out-and-out defender? I don't know. But is it going to be 2-2? Is it going to be Hoylet? What would be your preference at left back if if Brown isn't the covering man we think he is? I don't think it's Brown anyway. I think, I thought he did all right, but... There was a couple of times like he played Campbell on side and possibly Campbell should have scored. But that might come with a bit more training with the lads. That's, everyone, yeah, everyone pushed up and he didn't. Um, he really put a shift in, to be fair to him, but yeah. he missed he missed a header as well, which one of the things you think would be one of his strong points and they created a chance from that. He doesn't quite look at it for me. I don't think he's quite up to the standard that we need at the moment. I think I'd be tempted to put Hoylet there. And it, it's, it's a risk, isn't it, putting Tutu back in there in a position where he normally plays right, then moving him to left for a first game back. So I can't really see past either changing the system or playing to do there. No, sorry, the um, highlight there. Would you not look at NG there though? Because he loves cutting in on his left foot. He's, he's sort of good. He's good with both feet. Yeah. He'd probably be if, if he's the fit, person I'd yeah. look, I'd yeah. look at putting also Tutu on the right and then putting NG on the left, to be honest, if that's where it's going. Yeah. Um, just because he's so comfortable on either foot. I think they said that NG will be back for Watford. They were hopeful, weren't they, as well? So, yeah. so it if, didn't yeah, feel like anything more than a knock, did it for NG? So you'd hope so. No. Yeah, that's. I don't think that's a bad shot, to be fair. Um, I've, I saw a few people mention that uh, Ben that perhaps you should have kept Cunningham. <laughs> um, I mean, <laughs> how many other left backs do you think we need if we were going to keep Cunningham? That would have meant we'd have had four left backs of Brown coming back. Yeah, we should, we should have kept Jazz Richards and Troy as well, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, going back. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's Ralph Fletcher doing at uh, LA Galaxy these days? Yeah. I mean, we did release Andy Legg quite prematurely, so maybe he can come back in and do a shift at left back. He wouldn't do a bad job. He seems no, to keep himself in decent shape. He I does, think, yeah. Jazz Richards has gone to half of us just to keep fit for the call from Mick. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all it is, really. No, I no think he got done with the Bluebirds. Yeah, I just think that's what it was. He got done dirty by his agent. The Bluebirds <laughs> want to sign you. Right, give you that contract, sign it. Hang on. Which way am I going? <laughs> Yeah, he thought he was going to Barrow, but he's going to have a fight West. Um, and the final point in that game, Tom, uh, Phillips stared down another penalty. I think that's something like 12 missed penalties out of 14 in his career. You know, he's, I don't he's think it's a, I think living. it was a lie with the thing because they said in the commentary it was like something like seven from 16. I think. Yeah, I think, but I think. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, maybe, but I just saw it on Twitter and it was from a reputed source. So I'm going with it, all right? I'm going with it. Um, he's a wall even when he doesn't need to save penalties, isn't he? It was really weird because, like, when he stepped up for the penalty, it was like that quiet confidence now. It's like, I don't think he's going to score here. Yeah. And I, even, and he hit it wide. And I think even if he got in the corner, I think Phillips had it covered. He had it covered, yeah. Phillips has gone the right way. <laughs> like, Phillips has gone the right God, this way. This bloke is a freak. And then he made a, he made a massive save late on as well. He's really yeah. finding his feet. I feel sorry for Smithies again now. Poor bloke. Yeah. But, just, yeah. They just sat there going, fuck's sake. Yeah. Why do I have to get ill? But, um, <laughs> yeah. Why do I have to get a weird illness that no one knows what it was? <laughs> but yeah, Phillips looks solid. And I, you can see the defence have got the trust in him as well. Perhaps that's why they're giving away penalties now. Better off giving a penalty away than letting them have a shot. Curtis Nelson just wanted something to liven up the game. <laughs> this is a boring <laughs> one, boys. I give away a penalty. Just do um, something. Just jumps in. <laughs> it's a crap penalty to give away. I mean, that was Curtis Nelson of old because he's been pr- improved in recent weeks. But nonetheless, it was a point. Um, takes us to 11 games and beaten. And Ben, more importantly, it takes us into a break of eight days. Obviously, we're, we're going into a, a week now where we don't have a midweek game. Um, just how important is this week going to be in terms of recovery? I think we've talked about it in, in regular podcasts. The players have been running on fumes, haven't they? I think it's massive. 
Um, I don't think it's going to be too relaxing for the players. I think they're going to do quite a bit of training. I think it's a good chance to get on the sort of training ground, sort of work on some stuff. It doesn't have to be too intense, but work on a couple more bits that could be improved on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it could be a real nice boost sort of coming at the perfect time to give us that last big run. We've got a tough run of games coming up as well. So I think a bit of refresh and sort of a nice sort of relax and sort of go back to basics period for the boys is going to be huge going into that tough, tough run of fixtures. Um, Tom, Mick has said recently, obviously the regular players haven't been training, just recovering. Um, you know, we've talked about people like Brown coming in and Sang coming in and, and learning how we play. I mean, what are the things that you think that they should be focusing on this week in terms of drills on the training pitch? You know, getting to grips with the new players, new systems. What do you think they should be doing? I think it's that, isn't it? Just that Mick's clearly got game plans and it's just, this is a week now to test it because since he's come in, like you said earlier, the games have been so thick and fast. They've had hardly any time to do anything on the training field and the fact it's been unbelievable that we look so organized considering we've had was 11 games like quarter nearly a quarter of the season and feels like mick joined last week so mm-hmm. it yeah it, it, it's integral this week to us it's come out a good time i think barnsley have got a midweek game as well haven't they so they don't have the rest as well because we need yeah. them to drop off for some time because they're playing some unbelievable stuff for the moment so i think yeah it couldn't come at a better time and we've got the international break on the corner to have a little bit more of a rest for our younger players as well. Poor Kiefer Moore's going to carry on running, obviously, but everyone else can have a bit of a break. But Kiefer yeah, Moore's going to have the best summer, isn't he, of just doing nothing for I, I, yeah, the he, best he, part he'll, of a couple of months. He'll, he'll do a Tomlin. He'll end up putting about three stone on yeah. when he comes back because he just can't his Greg's exists. <laughs> oh, no, it's the Euros. Shit. Oh, it's the Euros. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody hell. But um... He's, he's going to be knackered after that <laughs> final, isn't he? Yeah, July the 11th, and then he'll be back, what? back in. Premier yeah. League season starts around mid-August, so he's got about a month off. <laughs> no, it starts early. It starts early August because you've got the World Cup. Oh shit! The season's yeah. starting early. It's like again, it's another season with fuck all break in between because you've got the Euros. Pretty much goes straight into pre-season, then the new season. It's probably the it's probably the second weekend of August, isn't it? It's the first weekend is usually Championship and Community Shields. It's probably like the eighth of August or something that the Premier League starts. Yeah. Well, anyway, some players will have a rest, not Kiefer Moore. And, but the, the, Moore. These, the, yeah, these gaps are coming at the right time for us because, like you said, we've got some huge games coming up and they're tough, tough teams to play, but it's good that we're playing the teams around us as well. You know, we need to take points off them. So, yeah, it's, it's huge what's coming up over the next two or three weeks. But before we talk about the, the Watford game and everything else that's coming up, let's obviously since we last did our podcast, it's been announced that Mick McCarthy has signed his two-year deal, uh, staying at the club until the summer of 2023, I guess, or January of 2023. How does the deal work? Summer, so it's the end summer. of the season. It rolls on from the summer. Um, I asked for some reactions on Twitter um, to, the, to the news. Sean Collins said, happy it's done, but unsure of what's to come. I mean, that's every day for me. Uh, Owen Davis, it had to be done with other clubs repeat, reportedly ready to make an approach, getting the best out of the players, and for no reason he can't carry that on. This is a massive slice of humble pie for me too, uh, me as well. Uh, Tim Burns, Booman, kept Wolves in the Premier League for three years, which is much more than any previous City manager has done, but doesn't feel like moving forward. Uh, Ashley Gifford, great man manager, perfect fit for our club, has to be back now, which sounds like the board are doing. Left of centre says, I understand why, but not sure if we are making short-term decisions on long-term issues. We'll support him, but can't stomach another Harris, that's for sure. 
Um, SZ says he's the best man to squeeze everything out of his current squad. Tom Bevan, great short, short-term appointment with the squad we've got and the league we're in, but what's the longer-term strategy? Ollie James, we'll go on a losing run now that he's been given an extension. Well, we, we drew one. Uh, and Nico Paloni, good appointment, can start planning beyond the season. I don't get this long-term strategy talk. Football is a results game. Get the results, you will stay manager. Don't get the results, you lose your job. Um, ben, obviously... It's probably the right decision that we've tied him down to a contract. He's, what, 10 games and beaten. You can't argue with his record. But is it the right decision? And, and do you understand where people are coming from with that long-term strategy talk? Yeah, I'm in exactly the same boat. Um, I like the bloke. I think he's done a great job. But it's um, it makes you worry, is this a short-term fix that leads on to another short-term fix that leads on to another short-term fix that can only end up going one way? I think he's doing a great job. But he, there's no doubt he had to be given the job full-time. But it's it's a weird one. It's sort of like, oh yeah, good, he's staying. Then, oh, he's staying. It's um hmm. a strange one. Only we can put ourselves in that position. It's going into it with all optimism, sort of thinking, right, the club's looking long term. This is short term. It's going for the summer, and then we called it. We said he'd do amazing, get us on a good run, and get the job full term. Hopefully, though, we um don't end up with the problem we've had before. It seems like the club behind the scenes seems to be moving the right way. Like there's we've called for as part of what we want for it is like a pathway for the youth system and understanding what's happening with the youth system. They've got a full new training center coming in, in um, Lanedin. They've got a clear pathway. There's players making a breakthrough most weeks. Um, yeah, it's, it might work out. All right. We might be eating a big fat slice of humble pie come the end of the season. We might be eating one soon. Tom, oh, yeah. um, what do you think about it as well? Do you agree with Ben? Is there anything else that you'd add? Um, I was like com- completely convinced about him getting a new contract because like, it's such a good run. And then Neil Harris said something, again, his bloody ghost around the place, <laughs> um, said like, yeah, I had a big uh, big unbeaten run at the beginning. I was like, oh, shit, he did. And yeah. that's how that turned out. <laughs> but no, it, I, think it's the, I think it's the right decision. In terms of our long-term, like it's just, just two-year contract as well. So that's relatively long-term in football as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's no reason we can't have a long-term plan with Mick McCarthy at the helm. Like we shouldn't be just be put off because he's old. I think that's the, I think that's what a lot of us were when he came in. We went, ah, he's old. Like we, this can't be long term. It's got to be someone young. But well, to be fair, it's it's he doesn't do short term. Like yeah, exactly. I got a bit concerned. Like we we were all all about this sort of everything set up for Friday night was Friday night game normally means a surprise result. Mick McCarthy's thousandth game normally means if it's on Sky, it goes tits up, and Sky say it's not the thousandth game. So and so once manager signs a new contract tends to go shit tends to go tits up it all sort of was forming into like a ball of oh this is going to go wrong for us but Mm -hmm. um the one thing that stood out they were talking about the stats of mccarthy he's only had seven clubs a thousand games and seven Mm -hmm. clubs yeah exactly he doesn't do sort of he's not like as much as we love warnock warnock tends to be a two to three year manager mix there for a long time and sort of most clubs seem to be better off when he leaves than before he arrived, other than Ipswich. Yeah, and his, his grandkids are in in Howell School now as well. So, <laughs> you know, he's not going anywhere. No, but I think I think it's a good appointment. I think already you can see that he's got to gel with the players and the squad. The fans have taken to him because he's a good laugh. <laughs> and that's all it kind of takes with our fans sometimes. And yeah, I'm quite excited about it. I'm, I'm quite fickle like that, though. Like, I, I it takes a lot for me to want the manager out. So... <laughs> I, I don't yeah. think that as long term as some people do. I'm I'm 
like someone said, it's a results-based game. And if we're winning games, I'm very easily pleased. And I think I think TC is a key in all this, isn't he? I think we yeah. everyone talks about Mick McCarthy, but Mick McCarthy's quick to talk about TC and and you can see the impact TC has had with people like Josh Murphy, Marlon Pack, Aidan Flint, and like the when they're going off the pitch at the end of the game, who are the players who's the person they're celebrating with? Yeah, they'll shake hands with Mick McCarthy, but TC's the one they're inevitably giving a big hug to as they walk off the pitch. And I think us Cardiff fans, we love to see a manager who has that rapport with the players. And the fact is we're seeing an assistant manager has an even better rapport with the players perhaps than the manager does and it's it's just that's the enjoyment for us isn't it yeah and I think like you saw that with Warnock with Kevin Blackwell as well yeah um, like and then you'd ask someone who was who was the number two with Harris I wouldn't have a clue it was, it was weird David like, Livermore yeah alright I know that now but like but like, do you know what I mean like we like these double acts and like the players seem to react to it as well like having that kind of they were saying like the good cop, bad cop, and they're saying that TC can be that bad cop as well in training. He puts an arm mm. around it, but he can put a rocket up their ass if needed as well. And you can see that dynamic is really working at the moment. And yeah, I'm quite excited. Like even if I, I'm still not convinced we'll get playoffs this season, but I think it's a really, really good platform to build on for the season after, even if Kiefer Moore retired, hurt after the Euros. <laughs> Just um, knackered, obviously... just left at Wembley. Yeah, just just... Reti- he's <laughs> literally <laughs> turf over him because you can't feel him up. He's literally <laughs> retired <laughs> because he's so tired. I've retired because I'm just tired. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, always as good as my pun on Friday night. Um, let's go back to January. Obviously, when he came in, um, we did a podcast. I wrote an article uh, which was shoved down my throat on Radio Wales on Friday night. Um, by, uh, oh, I enjoyed that. <laughs> I did enjoy that. <laughs> um, I mean, we, I, I, this is the clip going back to what we talked about during the podcast. William Hill at four to one joint favour are offering Mick McCarthy. Yeah, McCarthy. <laughs> How ah. fucking good would that be? Uh, mm, I, I, you're a look, bunch I, of bastards. Might be an unpopular opinion, but I love Mick McCarthy. I think he's hilarious. I think he's great. I think he's yeah. absolutely brilliant. But, but he's not as a manager. Man. Yeah. <laughs> would be funny. To be fair, to be just fair, for to a him, week. just for a week. To be fair to him, though, there was no coincidence. Like Ipswich's downfall when he left. Like I well, think people were pissing himself laughing on Sky. Yeah, from you. He just started giggling, didn't he? Yeah, because the thing is, he kept them afloat, and then they took him out, and it's like the plug came out of the bath, and they just went straight through it. But yeah. I don't think he's the right manager for now for us. I think it's a bit more of a kind of a Warnock thing, isn't it? Where it might be a temporary band aid, but I don't think it's good for a long term plan. But God, it'd be fun. I take him. We can take him. <laughs> I just love him. I think he's. I think he's funny. I think he's a excited. really nice guy. It'd be weird. Yeah. It'd be weird. Um, in the article, I said that it, he plays attritional football. Uh, that the the appointment was uninspiring, and he's made me eat my words. And I think he's a, he's happy to do that because he's the kind of man, and he's said it on clips himself that he likes trying to prove the people wrong who've written him off. And he's he's absolutely done that to me. But Ben, in your clip, you you know you said what you said in January. Um, do you stand by it? Yeah, hundred percent. He's done a terrible <laughs> job. He's a shocking manager. <laughs> It's... No, that he's made me look to look. I, I I can make myself look like a dickhead at the best times, but he's probably made me look like a knobhead there. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I think I bought into the whole idea. Sort of see, with what Ipswich fans were saying towards the end of they wanted McCarthy to go. He's a dinosaur. It was all of this. There was a lot of football Twitter sort of placing him up to be this dinosaur. Um, but no, I, I quite like the bloke now, and I'm. I am glad he's here. As much as I say, I'm not sure about him sort of signing a long-term, a longer contract. It's more I'm not sure where the club's going, more than sort of a reflection on him. Um, so yeah, I'm glad he's made me look like a dick. 
Um, Tom, you, you, you know, you, you were the one who was quite positive about the appointment. Um, you, out of all of us, I said, I like the business bloke. You seem to be quite happy with the appointment. Um, we, you know, we've talked about the, the next two years and, and what the club are laying in the background. Are you, are you happy just to go with the flow on this one with Mick McCarthy? You know, he's turned us around. So why can't it continue? Yeah, definitely. Even, even in that clip though, I said that I'm not sure if it's the right appointment now. I think we need something a bit more progressive, but yeah, I, I've always liked him. And I think he's one of those ones where, because he's been around for so long, people just say dinosaur for the sake of mm. saying dinosaur because they're just used to seeing his face on the TV. It's, where there's more to him than that. Like, he's clearly, he gets the best of some bad teams. Like, like I said, his work at Ipswich and my bath analogy that I came up with. I was quite impressed by that, actually. It's a good analogy. Uh, yeah, it was good, yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he did. He worked wonders there. Like, he finished, was it, five times out of six seasons in the top, top half of the table with a poor side. You know, he did one and no investment, no investment yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, and and then he went and they plummeted. And then yeah. I I don't know. He's got a bit more talent to work with here at Cardiff than he did at Ipswich. So I am quite excited to see what comes of this. I, I really am. Um, I I kind of look back over the eleven games. Uh, he's been here for eleven games. We mentioned earlier that's basically a quarter of a season. Four draws, seven wins. That's twenty five points. I mean. If he managed to extrapolate that over 44 games, we'd get 100 points. So basically what I'm saying is next year we're going up. Um, we've had big wins against Derby, Bristol, Preston, Bournemouth. You, you, we talked about beating the teams around us. We've done that under him. Gotten through some tricky games. We, we were unbeaten. We're the second top scorers in the division now. Um, big wins over Derby, Preston, 4-0. Um, we set out that pathway to the first team. You can't fault him, really, can you, Ben? No. Um that as far as sort of a manager wants, he's doing everything we want from him, getting results. Football's enjoyable to watch and there's youth coming through. Um, yeah, it's just a nice, exciting time. I'm not dreading sort of the last few months of Harris, or the last few weeks of Harris's reign. Watching the football felt like a chore. It was just mm -hmm. drab and inspiring and we weren't going to get a result. Um, all right, like the Huddersfield game wasn't great. The Middlesbrough game wasn't great, but... Like it still wasn't as bad as half the stuff we've seen earlier in the season. Um, yeah, clubs moving in the right direction. And I'm pretty happy. I think the Huddersfield game, Huddersfield reminded me of what we were like under Harris, where we had a bit more ball. We were looking to have more ball, but we were doing nothing no with edge. it. When we, yeah, there's no cutting edge when we got into that final third. And like it's like that game against Derby where we won 4 0, the amount of people that like sent a screenshot of the possession stats to me, said, oh, one with 27% possession. It's like, you haven't watched the game. We're playing some yeah. decent stuff. We're pressing at the right time. We're holding back and then going, bursting and creating chances. We've created 14 chances with 11 on target. Like that's good football. And yeah, I think, and that's- It's the, just, like, it's effective football, isn't it? It's, yeah, and, it's incisive and effective football. Yeah, and he's only been here two minutes. So, you know, what can he do when he's had a bit more time? So- well, I'm ever the optimist for stuff like this anyway, but, you know, I, I am excited going forward. Really am. Um, Gareth Bale has just scored for Tottenham, by the way. Hey. So keeping that good home going. Um, Tom, we, we talked about Neil Sandy. Harris there. Um, and I, I come back to another former manager, Neil Warnock, um, and he mentioned about Neil Harris. Um, he, I've got this quote from him where he talked about um, Harris when he was sacked. I didn't say too much when Neil Harris was there, but I thought one of the two comments he made when he first got the job were a little bit detrimental to me. I've got to change the mindset of the players who've been used to one particular way. What's that winning? Um, and this comes back to the question around systems, philosophies, you know, long-term planning, all that kind of stuff. Does any of that truly matter when we're winning games and being successful? I know 
we've looked at Barnsley, right? Barnsley are seeing the, the, the fruits of their kind of uh, three or four year plan at the moment where they've kind of kept with one particular manager and signed players with that one particular philosophy. Um, that's taking a couple of years to come to fruition. Would Cardiff fans be patient enough for something like that? No, no chance. And I don't know, Barnsley like stayed up by the skin of their teeth for some, like, you know, at the end of the season with points deductions and stuff. And that mm-hmm. could have easily gone another way. And I don't think our fans are willing to put up with that sort of drama. Obviously, we're not quite the same club as Barnsley anyway. No. But like, I, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't re- think I really care about long-term plans, really. I, I like, I enjoy football when, you know, it's drama, you know, you want to win games and stuff. I'm very, very short-term in this. I'm not thinking two years down the line. I'm thinking of what for next game and hoping we get a result from it, you know. Um yeah, ideally, yeah, we should have a long-term plan. But to be honest, I'm probably not the person to speak to about it. I'm, I'm too, I get too carried up and excited in what's currently happening. I think the one thing I learned from going to watch a lot of non-league football when um, lockdown was kind of re- relieved a little bit and we could go and do things like watching you, I could go watch Walthamstow for a bit, was that I kind of, it showed me the value of not thinking ahead about football because like when you go to watch a Walthamstow game, they have 11 players on the pitch and they could change from week to week because players leave without you knowing them. Like there were so many players that there at the start of the season who aren't there now. There were players who left halfway through the season. Then I didn't know they'd even left, let alone playing for another t- team until they turned and played for us. And like, that's the kind of the joy of football sometimes is that it is just that 90 minutes on a Saturday and the rest of the other stuff doesn't really matter. Right. So I think, that's what I've tried to to take from that is just focus on the 90 minutes at the end of the week rather than everything else. Because if you don't win those games, it's almost pointless anyway, isn't it? Yeah. And I think there's a difference between sort of a lot of people sort of cite you cite people like Swansea or like the teams like Ajax and Barca over the years. So like their academy from under You just mentioned Swansea in the same Swansea, breath as yeah. Ajax and Barcelona. But it's, it's always the sort of thing. It's always the things people go on about around us, and it? it's always like, oh well, the Jacks are doing this, or so and so is doing this from the academy. There's a big difference between sort of like I'm not asked if the under twos are playing the same system as the first team. Mm, I'm yeah. not asked. I just want a clear progression where we're spending money on the academy and we've got good what good talent coming through that we're developing. The system they play couldn't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Are the under twenty threes good to watch? Yeah, they are. Couldn't give a shit if they were dire and they were playing hoofball, to be honest. As long as there were sort of players coming through to the first team that were good enough to supplement it and sort of mean that there's like... People get so stuck in this idea of an identity and you need some sort of concept, of, right, this is the style we're playing. Otherwise, you see what happens with that with someone like Neil Harris that sort of, I want to keep the ball, but I don't know how to do it. The idea of sort of this whole one club approach isn't for every club and it's very, very difficult to implement. If it was easy, every single club would do it. There's a reason clubs are going down different routes. There's a reason why Brentford are doing a B team, being successful with that. There's a reason Barnsley are doing what they're doing and being successful with that. There's a ton of different approaches for football. It could be doing the Walthamstow approach and playing a random whoever's fit, whoever wasn't on the piss the night before. Like if that works for a club, it's not it random. Works. It's just players leave quickly, Ben. I know. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> yeah, I know. It's exactly just that that approach that approach can work. It's just the club just needs to be clear with it. We've for a, a long time. Cardiff's been very muddled in its approach and that sort of seems mm-hmm. to be with the appointments made in the sort of youth setup, it seems to be becoming a lot more clear that there is now a pathway we've got an understanding we're not going to spunk 12-15 million pounds on players we're going to try and bring people through and supplement it with sensible sign-ins that we can look to sell on for a profit to be honest that's all I want from a club if that's the club's approach we know it and I'm very happy with that 
I'm not too asked about the identity on the pitch when we haven't been able to keep it consistent off it. Do you know what I mean? I'm back. Not, we keep, as a football club, we have a lot yeah, of issues. Yeah, I'm not going to do anything. Like, yeah, let's, let's keep it consistent off the field. I'm not. I'm, I know for like when we're on about playing systems and stuff. I'm not being funny. When we're back to travelling to Hull away, we're not going to have a clue what system we were playing on the field again, were we? So I'm, I'm very short-term in this. <laughs> let's win some games and enjoy it, lads. Talking about Hull, uh, former Bluebird watch. There was a lot of Bluebirds in scoring action. Um, this weekend, uh, the Gav man, um, he got two goals for Hull, which is lovely to see. Um, Aaron Wildig scored for Morecambe. Omar Bogle got on the score sheet for Donny. Dion Sanderson scored for Sunderland and picked up the fourth man of the match award in a row. Jordan Much scored for Western Sydney Wanderers. Ben, you look perturbed. And Jazz Richard signed for the Bluebirds down west. Ben, what have you spotted? When the hell did Bogle? I thought Bogle was at Charlton. He was. He left. He switched in January, I think. He went up to Tom Oh, that one all for him then. Yeah, well, it, apparently he... He looked exactly like he did at Cardiff. I was speaking to Chant fan about it. He said, some weeks you look at Omar Bogle and think, why isn't he playing Premier League? He looks incredible. Then the next week, it's like, is he wearing two left boots? Yeah. Um, I so just nice didn't know see. he went to Doncaster. Yeah, he, I think he got his first goal from this weekend. I, I could be wrong on that front, but he, he scored a nice header. Um, great to see the Cardiff um, players' influence going through the leagues and abroad. But we've already mentioned it, Chaz Richards signing for... Have a fight, West. Um, Tom, I'll come to you on this one because you are a resident West Wales correspondent. Um, he talked quite candidly about trying to find that love and enjoyment for the game again. Um, it's quite refreshing to see, right? Even if it is for a team that you don't like. Um, I don't mind Halford West because the, the manager's my dad's mate. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he drinks in the same pub in Kamala as me. But um, shout out to Wayne Wolves there. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's weird seeing, like, you've got, like, Neil Dan's playing for, like, Connors Key, but he's, like, 38. Mm-hmm. Jazz Richards is 29. He's not yeah. just, like, a has-been, like, Trundle and, like, Britain has been linked to clubs down there because all Swans, ex-Swans he plays are linked to West Wales clubs now. But, like, it's mad. He's 29. Like, it, and he's the second Euro uh, 2016 Welsh player to be playing in that league now. It's mm-hmm. such a weird fall from grace. Like, Marking played- Ed Hazard to play in blokes I was in school with. It's just, it's insane. It is, you say it's a fall from grace, but like I said, he was quite candid in that interview. He talked quite candidly when he left Cardiff City about the mental toll that the game took on him. He, yeah, he, 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 he talked about the have in the Haverford West interview about um, he enjoys football, but he doesn't necessarily enjoy everything else that comes with it. Ben, it's that's the refreshing thing about this, isn't it? He's gone to find the love of the game again in, in a decent standard of football, the Welsh Premier League, but he's also quite open about the struggles that come with, the, with, with playing top-level football. Yeah, look, we're all football fans. We all listen to the podcast and you sort of hear stuff like under the cosh the great example where you sort of players talk about towards the end of their career things don't go well you get released from a club and it sort of leaves a bit of taste in your mouth about football in general mm-hmm. the ones that um who's it who's the other one we were talking about the other week is it uh steel jason steel is it yeah yeah he went and played like a goalkeeper that's played for united he's just, he's played playing as a striker wasn't he? he he thought fuck it i've not enjoyed this i'm gonna go play with my mates on the pub on a sunday and was mm. playing up front and sort of that, that's how he found his love for football again. Mm. And sometimes players need that. It's well and good that Jazz was on a decent contract at Cardiff and some good money at Fulham and sort of done well for himself and played in the Euros. But if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then there's, you're not going to get fulfillment in life. You're going to feel miserable. And hopefully this sort of gives him that boost again because he can clearly play at a much, much higher standard. But sometimes like playing at a higher standard doesn't matter if you're not enjoying it and you can sort of sort your mental health and your well-being out. 
I hope that's yeah, true. Yeah. I hope it's true for that. But I'm suspicious because it's so far west, Halford West. He lives nowhere near it. What there's something going on, and I don't know what it is yet. But I will find out. I don't know how he's ended up down but there. But he's he lives. He's a lot of swans. Yeah, there's a lot of swans influence down there. Yeah, I suppose so. Actually, there's a lot of Swansea lads in and around that's that club. True. I think like, that's what it's come from. Yeah, like the Rodons were down there when they, like, yeah, yeah, Trundle was down there. Right, I find I'll stop being just suspicious about um, it and enjoy it for what it is. Talk about players finding their love of the game again um, by playing Sunday League. Um, a few years ago, while I was in Cardiff, I, I managed to play against Leon Jean. Um, in the Sunday League. Um, he was definitely finding his love of the game again on a Sunday morning. Not for any other reason was he playing on a Sunday morning. Um, it was great to see, really. Um, great to see. I was wondering how you'd link back to your, you playing. Hey, I thought you'd pick up on <laughs> I was, that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be earlier on. But you I tell you it. what, like, you could, when you, even at that, at that level, which is shit park pitches, like, he had control that I'd never seen before, but um, the rest of the players couldn't keep up with him. Yeah, he, he played above. He played for Carmarthen Town as well, like down there. And there was games where he was class, and you could see other games he just didn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, wonder why. It's, it's, um, it's not yeah. something you experience in a spa mid Wales South, which is literally the lowest of the lowest tier in Welsh Nothing football. Nothing wrong with it, mate. Nothing wrong yeah. with it. Well, it's great fun to play in, but you're not, you're not going to see if Jazz Richard turns up for St. Harmon, who play in a farm, literally play on a farm with the pitches <laughs> wonky, like slopes down to the one side, then I really would be surprised. There are a few former Cardiff players in the Lazarus. There was Leon Jean, and I think it was, was it Tony Bird? I think it might have been Tony Bird, if that's a Cardiff, former Cardiff player. But he, he was a striker, he used to play for Cardiff, and now he plays. He played centre-half for a, a pub team. Um, he, he wasn't bad as well. He wasn't bad. But anyway, moving on to more professional football. Uh, let's look ahead to next week's game against Watford. Um, Tom, Watford flying. Up into second place, they're on a good run. They seem to turn things around under their new manager after a kind of um, poor start to the season where they even lost to Neil Harris, Cardiff City side. My God. Um, is this the biggest test of McCarthy's tenure so far? Yeah, I think we were quite fortunate with McCarthy coming in that we had a relatively easy run, run of games. You know, we had Bournemouth in there, but they were in a bit of a dip and Woodgate took over and he's useless. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the next few weeks are the the big test, to be honest, and it, and it doesn't get much harder than doesn't get much tougher than Watford. It doesn't um, get much tougher. Right, I, I expect a very similar kind of. If we're going to win the game, it'd be very similar to what we, how we did it under Harris. Really, I think we like we sat back in that game and took just took our chances when they came. Um, a smash and grab. Bit of a smash and grab. I can't see much past a nil nil. To be honest, a nil nil or a one all. I, I don't think we'll win it, and I'm not sure. I'm yeah, I'm not convinced. Um, well. Good confidence so far, but Ben, I was going to come to you on this question. Barnsley now sit three points ahead of us with a game in hand. We simply can't afford to lose, can we, if we're serious about the playoffs? No, it's but um, I think it's other games in the round that we're going to... If we lose this, this isn't the game why we don't make the playoffs. There's earlier in the season no, I mean, a big factor. Yeah, that was 23 of those before January. But <laughs> We're talking think, now. Now, I don't know, it, it wouldn't be a disaster. If, if, if we lost 1-0 and sort of played all right, it wouldn't be a disaster. Um, I think like as close as it's going to get, I think, Jay, I think goal difference could play a factor in this season with the playoffs, the way it's going. Um, but Christ, they're a good side. I'm looking at the players they've got in their squad now. I'm on their website. and Go on then. Who worries you? Because that was my last question on this one, but um, you're already ahead of me. Their midfield is tasty, isn't it? Will Gosling, Hughes, I think Will Hughes. Will Hughes is a lovely footballer. Lazar. There's some wicked, wicked players, man. Sanchez, uh, that Carlos Sanchez, 
I he looks he's the, he came on for his debut um, on Saturday. He's the youngest looking thirty five year old I've ever seen. He That's looks fun. about twenty. He's thirty five and he looks so young. But yeah, it's a it's like this is a good Premier League quality squad um, that sort of are massively underperformed. You've got players like Tom Cleverley's got several England caps. Um, God, I didn't know it was that uh, Carlos Sanchez. Yeah, Craig Cathcart is a regular for Northern Ireland International. Um, they're, it's a tidy, tidy squad. It's one of the best squads we've sort of seen in the Championship. And now they're sort of starting to really show what you sort of expected from them at the start of the season. They're really looking like a side that should be pushing for the automatics. At the start of the season, I generally thought they'd be the side that are doing what Norwich are now. Mm-hmm. I thought they'd be the side walking away with it. So, yeah, this pro- probably doesn't get tougher for the rest of the season than this game. Do you understand my nil-nil now, Ben James? Do you understand why I said it? Yeah, I didn't know. get off I my was... back? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't on your back, mate. It wasn't on your back. The, the one thing we've got in our favour, though, that weekend, Bournemouth are playing Barnsley. So somebody's mm. dropping points there as well. I know Barnsley got a midweek game against Derby before that. But Bournsley. yeah, at least at least they're playing against each other. Yeah, and that, that's that's yeah, that's crucial. I, I don't really I haven't really looked at the other fixtures around us, but it, it feels like every everyone's meeting each other over the next month or so, doesn't they? And it feels like this, this is the time their points are going to be dropped by other teams. Um, talked about the Watford team, Tom. Um, we talked about earlier the injury worries that we're kind of facing. Hopeful that NG's back, Tutu could be back. There'll be no bagging, but it should be a relatively full squad apart from from bagging. You know, Tomlin is on the comeback trail. He was ill this week. Um, are there any changes that you would make at this stage, or would you keep it a relatively settled team? Um, it'd be interesting to see how Rawls performs like in the week to see if he comes back into the fold because he looked a little bit laggy at times coming back after like time on the sidelines. But he had that intent to try and push forward a couple of times as well earlier in the game. So maybe with another week of training under Mick, you see him come back in uh, to stay in the centre midfield there. I just wrap Kiefer Moore up in cotton wool for a week just to make sure he can be wheeled out for the game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think you change too much. Like obviously, the, the you keep a keeper in, you, you keep the three centre backs in, whoever's fit, you put <laughs> full backs really, isn't it? And then yeah, yeah you've got the, the midfielders will take themselves. It'd be interesting to see if he starts with Ojo or Murphy, because um, I think I'd play Ojo um, personally. Yeah. I don't think Murphy's taken the games by the scruff of the neck as he did when he first played under Mick. And yeah, Harry Wilson gets a bit more of a rest as well. So it'd be nice, nice to see him firing again. Because he wasn't quite active. No, yeah. I, I, yeah, I thought Murphy, yeah, Murphy was quite quiet on Friday. So was Wilson. I think all our attacking players were quiet on Friday. I think it was just mm. one of those games for them. So, yeah, um, I wouldn't like. It's to amazing how quickly anything. on Twitter the nice came out for Murphy though. There was people yeah. thirty-five minutes in saying he should be dropped. He needs to come off. And you're sort of thinking that this is the situation we were in six months, ago, six weeks, six eight weeks ago before Mick came in, where Murphy was getting a run of games. Look, he's not going to be a nine out of ten every game. And in that, like you, like you said, in that game, every player for attacking wasn't great. We offered very little. It's not just down to Murphy to do that. The midfield were poor to get in the ball to him. Um, yeah, a couple of bad decisions, but look, it's jumping on him doesn't help. We see well, look, that he needs our support. Let's let's let's. If we we talked earlier about whether we want that long term strategy and approach to things, and and Murphy is that that's a prime example of why Cardiff fans aren't patient enough for a long term yeah. strategy and approach because if it doesn't work after thirty five minutes, then they want to write <laughs> it off. So that's the way it goes. Um, let's get your predictions in then, uh, Ben. I'll come to you first. What are your predictions for next Saturday? Uh, I'll go one all. One one. Tom, you nodding? Yeah, one all. All right, I'll go 2-0 Cardiff. 
Uh, why, why are you, Ben? <laughs> why not? Why not? You both went two goals, but I've just gone two goals to Cardiff. Talk us through it, Ben. Why are you so confident? I'm not so confident. I just think it'll. I just think we'll we'll do them. We'll do them on the do them on the break a couple of times, and then Harry goal. Wilson. Will, Harry Wilson will get a goal, and I think Kiefer Moore will get a lovely header with his lovely hair. Fair enough. Yeah, that's, what I that's it. That's it. Um, and now to round off the podcast, as usual, is the view from Ninian Hall of Fame. I always kind of explain what it is. This is our take on the best moments in Cardiff City history. Uh, every week we do a Twitter vote on our Twitter page, twitter.com forward slash VFT Ninian. There are sometimes spelling mistakes in there, but this week um, I think we avoided a spelling mistake, Ben. We did because I got my missus to check it over before I pressed send. <laughs> uh, there we go. Proof she, she, ha- she, ha- she handed the phone back to me and was gutted. She was like, bollocks, I should have wrote something in yours just to really ruin it. And I'm disappointed she didn't take up that opportunity just to put in like underneath I am a penis, for instance. She should have done that. Um, if you want to see our retrospective votes, you can go on there. Hashtag VFTN. HOF, that's a view from the Indian Hall of Fame. Uh, ben, you've got the results from last time, which uh, probably no surprise what happened. No, it was a dominant win for Snoop Doggy Dog. Um, Man of the People is up to 11 votes now. 11 wins. That's bullshit. Absolutely he did that for all wrong. the football clubs. I, we didn't, I just don't understand why anyone thought we were special. I tell you, I tell you what, I didn't expect to win this week. <laughs> really, I thought Snoop. You, did, you didn't. You didn't just win. You absolutely stormed it. Yeah. So you got sixty. You got sixty-four percent. I was last with Joe Bennett's double at Huddersfield with eleven percent. Bakuna's Derby double got twenty-five percent. You absolutely fucking smashed us. Ah, it's a shame. That's a shame. And because you smashed us, you get to go first again this week, Tom. So it's over to you for the first nomination for this week's VFTN Hall of Fame. I think most of my like Hall of Fame entries are either weird things like random people wearing Cardiff shirts or something to do with Sol Bamba. So I've gone Sol Bamba again, and it was his goal against Chelsea in the Premier League early in the season. We were struggling to get goals as it was. I think we'd only scored twice in our first five games or something. And then away at Chelsea... It was one of my favourite away days of the of the Premier League season as well, despite getting absolutely battered by them in the end. But, you know, we have a free kick. Um, he goes up for the free kick. Nobody's anywhere near him. We flick it to the back post. It's knocked back across to him, and he's there with this audacious little flick into the back of the net. He then ushers everyone out of the way after he scores and runs straight over to the bench to celebrate with Kevin Blackwell as well. And... It was just great. And then the best thing about it was we score way at Chelsea to go 1-0 up and we start fighting amongst ourselves in the stands again. That's and I take and I take, <laughs> I take one of my mates again to this game and he was just stood there just going, what, why? And I, was, <laughs> and I was like, I really don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. It's like you had, you had half, half the stand celebrating and half fighting amongst themselves. But it was just, it was a magical moment. Just, and I think a few people around me might have had some money on him to score first as well. At about 66 to 1. It was just, yeah, it was a lovely, lovely moment. And it, there's nothing better than seeing Sol's face after he scored a goal. It's, a, it's like a, a picture of shock and enjoyment at exactly the same time. He's a happy boy, isn't he? Happy, happy man. All right, I'll go next because I think Ben's is the one that deserves to round it off this week. Um, so I've gone for a, a themed one again this week, um, going back to when we played... Um, Watford in the 2009-2010 season and the emergence of Adam Matthews. Um, we go to Vicarage Road. Uh, we were flying high on the table, but I don't think anyone expected this result. Um, we managed to smash them 4-0. Peter Whitney with the double, Bothroyd with the fourth. Um, and I think the goal that stood out to me was Adam Matthews uh, taking a free kick from 
around 50 yards out, just floated it hopefully into the box. And I can't explain what their keeper was doing. I don't think he can either. But he sort of ran to about the penalty spot, realised his mistake because the ball floated over him and he fell backwards to try and stop it. Um, it was just, it was it was a time when we were playing absolutely joyous football. Whittingham scored a header, um, which is obviously quite a rarity for him, but it was a lovely diving header. Um, we saw Bothroyd get a, you know, at his marauding best, dominated people like Cathcart, who was still playing back then, and, and Adam Matthews scoring for 50 yards. It was when football was most enjoyable under Dave Jones. It was ridiculous. And that's my nomination for the VFTN Hall of Fame this week. Over to you, Ben. Round it off. Bring it right, on. Um, this is a huge shout out to David Owens for this. Um, on Twitter the other night, I happened to be logged into the View from the Indian twi- Twitter account on my phone and a notification came up from David Owen. Um, Mick McCarthy has done a thousand games of football. He's led teams to promotion to the Premier League. He's led uh, North Republic of Ireland out at the World Cup. Um, but I think his greatest achievement is that he recorded a cover and released a single with the 1990, 1991 Eurovision Song Contest winner, uh, Linda Martin. Um, this is a cover of the Lee Hazelwood and Nancy Sinatra tune, Did You Ever? And it's fucking horrific. <laughs> but if that's not your thing, someone's done a techno remix of it as well. So when I do the, when I do the Hall of Fame uh, poll, um, if you look at the bottom, sort of when I do the Hall of Fame on whatever day I decide to do it or remember to do it, let's be honest, um, <laughs> we do little explanations, we do a little picture or whatever. I will post both songs and I can't, I cannot suggest enough for you to listen to those songs. It's just the flattest, most monotone singing I think I've ever heard in my life. It's impressive, but it's just wonderful as well. The only 90s football could bring you that. Football and songs is something that's disappeared. That you haven't got Andy Cole's. Break. There's no football at like outstanding. Like Harry Kane's not bringing that a rap was. album, is he? I'd love to hear that. Well, Harry Kane, if want... you're listening, get get in the studio. I think he's playing like, at who... the Palace. We'll catch up later on. Yeah, yeah. he'll, he'll <laughs> listen on the way home, won't he? <laughs> but like, there's no footballer going to bring out a Diamond Lights, for example. I've got that vinyl. Alert, so I've got that vinyl tune. as well. Absolute yeah. tune. <laughs> But for but, a charity shop for 50p. Oh, bargain. That's the best 50p you've ever spent. Um and who there are some mu- there are some musical footballers. Um didn't Omar Bogle as an Omar well, he Bogle reti- got he, links to some like recording li- label or studio. I might he be retired he retired he retired for a week to become a rapper, didn't he? Then Charles Noff that was a lot it. of money. That was it, yeah. So um yeah, there's lots to do it, but I'm on about top end like yeah, I think when Diamond Lights came out, Glenn Holder was one of the top three footballers in the world. And you're not saying Omar Bogle isn't? I'm yeah, saying yet. exactly <laughs> that. Well, that's a shame. That is a shame. Um, so, Ben, your nomination is the Mick McCarthy. Um, yeah, did you ever? Did you ever? Mick McCarthy, did, Linda Martin. Did you ever vote for us? This is going on the View from the Indian Hall of Fame on our Twitter page at some point this week. Twitter.com forward slash VFTN. Um, if you haven't already gone over there to start following us, please do that. Um, you can also subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. That just helps us say that we've got a nice big audience um, when we're speaking to sponsors and stuff like that. That's it. It's brazen. I'm saying it. Uh, we've also got a Kofi. Um, if you ever, if you like our music, like our music, if you like our podcast. <laughs> oh, you've blown it. Our singles. I've blown it. Yeah, oh, no. If you like, um, if you like what we're doing, you like our podcast, like the website, please head over to our Kofi. That's ko-fi.com forward slash VFT Ninian. You can drop us a little bit of money there because we do this purely out of passion and we do have some costs that go with it, like Zoom and 
and the Kofi. We have to pay for it. Um, so please head over there and drop us some money if you like. Um, obviously, we, we we couldn't go this whole podcast without the the, the mention of Peter Whittingham. Obviously, his inquest um, was um, took place this week, um, and and then it's just a reminder, really, isn't it, of of people we've lost over the last year, but particularly that we're coming up to the year anniversary now of probably our greatest player um, losing his life. Yeah, and just you hear about how it happened, just stuff we've all done. We've all sort of play fighted, have a fight that like you had a few pints, you prat about your mates. And just for something like that to happen and with someone losing their life, doesn't matter that he's sort of an amazing, he was an amazing footballer. Uh, he's a bloke that was due and his second child was a few weeks away from being born. He never got to see his kids. Um, it's just horrible. That inc- the whole inquest, just reading about it and just hearing how such of an accident it was. Yeah, it, it, really, we, really tragic and really, really sad to read. And Tom, you know, with, with the talk of fans going back into the ground, I mean, what what kind of tribute do you hope to see from the club for him? It, it feels like nothing will do will be enough, right? But the the club need to do something. And, and I'm sure they will because he's loved. No, they, yeah, sorry, I I I I don't mean that they. I wasn't saying you were. I'm just I'm just I'm just yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know they're going to be doing something when fans are yeah. back because they want to give the, the 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 right the right um respect to him. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loved him, like in and out of the club. The fans, like the media department, like the tea ladies. Everyone loved him because he was just a, like a great bloke to be around. Um, but yeah, don't be surprised if there's a stand renamed after him or, or anything. You know, n- nothing would be t- too much because you, you can't underestimate what an impact he had on our club. He's an absolute legend. I know that word's thrown about a lot, but he he was a legend. And uh, yeah. It'd be great to get back there and for us to actually show our appreciation for him properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, that is one to make the last word about Peter Whitting on this podcast. I think yeah, it's it's the ultimate tragedy and um, it's, it's a shame really that we'll we'll never be able to truly show to show him him personally what he meant to the football club. So for, for you know, as always, here's to you, Peter Whittingham. <laughs>